Greetings, everyone. I'm Stephen Gugliacello, your host for today's special edition Times podcast. We're going to be previewing the 2015 election, which will be taking place on Tuesday. Um, I'm here with Tom Bickert. Hey, Steve. I'm also here with Calkins state government reporter and politics reporter, J.D. Prose. Oops. <laughs> this will be your steady cast for the show. Um, for this opening segment, we're also here with Tom Davidson, uh, Times reporter. Hello, Steve. So let's start off talking about the county commissioner's race. Okay, well, Steve, the county commissioner's race this year, we've got um, two incumbents, two Democratic incumbents, uh, two Republican newcomers. And in the county commissioner's setup, uh, three of those four win, although voters can only select two. So it's a little odd in that sense, but um, we have a, a big disparity in experience in, the, uh, in this race. And uh, Tom Davidson has uh, covered that race and has probably a few thoughts on what you see from from those four candidates. Yeah. Well, it really is uh, no, two entirely different tickets. And both of the both parties no, have have a pair of candidates, and both of those candidates are running as a as a team. And uh, on the Democratic side, you have Tony Amadeo, who's the the current chair of the commissioners, and 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 longtime commissioner Joe Spanik as well, and they're touting their experience. So they're they're really running on their record. And on the Republican side, you have Sandy Egley and Dan Camp, who neither of whom really have any elected political experience. And they're hoping to, to be a breath of fresh air to the county. The, the interesting part of this is that uh, and we'll, we'll go with the Republican side of it first, and J.D. will probably want to jump in on this too. The, the interesting part of this race is that Egley and Camp are on the ballot primarily because State Representative Jim Christiana orchestrated a primary race and campaign to oust the incumbent Republican, Dennis Nichols. And uh, I'm not sure what the bad blood politically between the two is, but... Um, it's uh, it's certainly there, and as a result, voters are going to select two among two uh, uh, among four candidates. At least one of those Republicans is going to win, and neither has ever held an elected office. So, um, JD, what do you, what, what's your uh, insight into how Christiana has uh, played this this race for the Republican? Well, um, he's never been shy about criticizing the county commissioners. And over the last few years, uh, when he has taken shots at them, uh, he hasn't made the distinction of going after uh, Tony and Joe, the Democratic commissioner. Uh, he almost every time uh, criticizes the commissioners, which by default includes his fellow Republican, Dennis Nichols. So there's obviously no love loss there over the years. And then when it came time for this election to roll around in the primary, uh, what you had was, uh, I think, sort of a confluence of events. You had Christiana, I think we all know, once and, and has uh, additional political ambitions, what those might be, uh, you know, only he knows at, at, at this time. Uh, but I think he wants to put his stamp on the Republican Party and build that base at the county level uh, for whatever else comes next. Uh, you also have Dennis Nichols, who 
never really committed to uh, you know the team idea that the Republicans wanted to try and capture the majority, maybe uh, on the board of commissioners. So, uh, you know, Jim sees an opportunity there, uh, picks Dan and Sandy for his own reasons, and presents them as a team, and then casts Dennis as sort of the uh, you know incumbent uh, entrenched candidate that needed to get booted out and it worked and that's how you ended up with uh, you know the slate of newcomers uh, obviously the tactics used uh, you know I wrote some things back in the spring that uh, you know Dennis wasn't happy about uh, the mailers that went out attacking him uh, but Christian I mean he not only did that he uh, with the uh, Dan and Sandy but he did that uh, in the sheriff's primary, there was a, a contested primary there. He backed Tony Guy, uh, so he I, you know he put his uh, he put his name out there and put his own stamp out there, uh, you know to you know to to sort of be, for lack of a better term, a kingmaker. Well, we have a more active Republican Party in this election than we've seen in quite a number of years. Um, the the list of candidates for row office, um, out of the 10 row office uh, slots, uh, I think three of them remain uncontested. And in years past, we've had as many as six or seven of them were uncontested. So that's uh, that's a big change. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're really making a play this time around yeah. to change things. And uh, like you said, I mean, you have a uh, Ladig's taking on Connie in the, in the treasurer's race, which is almost unheard of. Yeah. yeah and on down the line. So. But I don't think anyone who's watching this closely um, can deny the fact that uh, the Republican Party is reinvigorated here because Jim Christiana wants it reinvigorated, and uh, he's got he's got some bigger offices in mind down the road. But he's also invigorated to the point where he's made Dennis's supporters and sort of the um, old school maybe Republican faction. Um, you know, he, he he angered them tremendously with what he did in challenging Dennis and some of the things uh, he did in his tactics in the primary. So, you know, from everyone I've heard, DNR, uh, you know, there are a lot of Republicans out there unhappy with Jim. Uh, does that mean they're going to go out and vote for Tony and Joe on Election Day or just stay out of the race completely? You know, is it enough? to actually have some impact on Dan and Sandy, either one or both of them, come Election Day. You know, we'll find that out late on Tuesday. And let's talk a little more about the Republican candidates, too. Tom, since you interviewed them with, along with the editorial board, what, what do you see from the, the two Republicans, uh, Dan Camp and San Diego? Well, I see both of them are, are really, you know, touting you know, that they want government transparency and that they want you know to to hold the line on on, on taxes and, and take down the long-term debt but what they what the, what neither really offered was any specifics on that and taxes um, haven't been raised since 2008 so. exactly yeah, so. it's tough to bring down the debt if you're not going to bring in any more revenue I'm not sure exactly how that plan works <laughs> yeah so, but I mean, but of the two, Sandy does have the 
some government experience and that she she you know, she heads up the the county planning commission and it's noteworthy i think that you know she was appointed to that post by the board of commissioners which include her political opponents this go around now let me ask a question this may be more for jd um I'm so used to people saying in life, there's no place to go but up. But as Tom and I have discussed in the past, somebody like Dennis Nichols, he's been a minority position in the county commissioners, minority as in, you know, he's the minority party. Hmm. Are, we're not going to get into predicting races, but are, are you feeling there's going to be a big Republican turnout or could the Republicans lose the little bit of footing they already have in the county? Well, really, all they have is, you know, one commissioner, so... Right, but if you swap him out for an inexperienced candidate... Well, that's true. That's and a that's step a ne- And at least the way I see it, that's inevitably what's going to happen. I don't see either Tony or Joe losing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been targeted, especially Joe, has been targeted multiple times in the past by different factions, even within his own party, and he always comes through. He's a hell of a com- campaigner. Um, yeah, one of them's going to get in there, at least one of them. And does that help her? If they get the majority, okay, but taxes haven't been raised in almost eight years anyway. You know, I, it would be a stunning. <laughs> it would be a stunning upset for the. Oh yeah, both, it would re, be. both Republicans. Yeah, if, if both of them got in there because it probably hasn't been a Republican majority uh, on the board of commissioners in Beaver County in. 50, 60 it, it, years, yeah, maybe? Yeah, but probably it may, it may go back as far because as Because it 50s. used to be Republican-controlled, and then yeah. they got swept out, and it was Democratic for decades and decades. And, and the thing with, with, with Dan Camp, and, and I said this before in uh, endorsement editorials, and uh, nothing's changed much. He's a very nice young man. He's very enthusiastic about campaigning. But I, I'll, I'll give Christiana his due on this one. He went and found... A candidate with the right name to get elected. <laughs> he, he comes from. Uh, he, he's distantly related to the former uh, county commissioner Charlie Camp, Republican. A Republican. Um, and Charlie's father and Charlie's grandfather, and this goes back into the into the fifties, were county commissioners. So the Camp name is out there, and somebody sees Camp, they they may very well be thinking. Uh, I think this was the case in the primary. They were voting for Charlie Camp again. Uh, because they just don't pay that much attention to the to the, uh, the reality there. Uh, Dan has the right name, but um, as far as the political acumen to be a county commissioner, boy, that's that would be a stretch. Uh, while we're talking still about the commissioners, we um, um, have the two Democrats campaigning on their experience. Um, they have a pretty good track record of getting some things done over the last term, depending whether or not you believe that there's nothing but rancor among the commissioners at their <laughs> meetings. Uh, uh, Tom, you just took over that beat, and JD was there before. Um, some of the things that you want to touch on, some of the things they've been able to accomplish over the last uh, last term. Well, they were they were able to get the county out of the nursing home business, which um, which had been a, a real strain on county finances with you know, Friendship Ridge, and the, and the county had been having to, for lack of a better term, subsidize the you know, the former county. And that's what home. they had to do. And, the money losing operation, and and that wasn't a, a win for the county. Now the. 
the process by which the nursing home was sold. They, they did keep things very quiet, but, but then that is the way many business deals are undertaken. So, but and we challenged them on yeah, that and we uh, did. every step and of the way. We, so it was, it was not without some, uh, some uh, divisiveness because we, and we won and they just dragged their heels out long enough in the deal. To, yeah. It became moot. We'll come back to that in a minute. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're, they're touting that because that sale of the nursing home did really shore up county coffers, and uh, and so the the county's finances aren't looking bad. They're also running on a, a kind of a with the feeling that there's unfinished business left in the county with Shaw Chemicals still yet to make a, a final decision on what they're going to do in Potter Township. And that looms large in the county, and so the they're almost asking people to keep up with the status quo because these are the guys that have been the face of the county for several years now. It's a point worth worth considering too, because with Shell not committing it finally to the project, although every time you drive by there, you can't help but wonder: would they? really do all that work if they weren't going to commit to it. Uh, but until they actually do, it, it does lead to the question of, uh, you know, might they pull out? So there, there is that point to consider. They, and the commissioners, J.D. and I talked about this, they can, they can rightfully point to the fact that uh, most of the things that needed to be accomplished in the county from a, just a standpoint of uh, construction and buildings have been completed over the last uh, 15 years or so. You know, they have a new courthouse. Not necessarily under their watch. But right, but they, were, they came in after it was completed. So the, there's a new courthouse, a new jail. Uh, they did complete human service building. the human services building in uh, Beaver Falls, which is on a lease operation, I believe. Uh, the Veterans Bridge, they completed that Four Seasons uh, shelter at Brady's Run. So th th there's not a whole lot left uh, the district judges' offices, they, they, they redid all of those. So there's not a whole lot left for the county to uh, look at in terms of projects that need to be uh, undertaken. Mm -hmm. So in, instead, they have taken to addressing what they call the quality of life issues uh, coming up in the, in the uh, next year with a comprehensive recreation plan. And that ties into the shell. Yeah, project also right. because the expectation obviously is that you know, once that's announced and becomes official, more investment will flow. People will need to move here. People will move here. People will be coming here for business and looking, you know, for things to do recreation-wise. Uh, so all that dovetails together. And and they made uh, we we believe it was a smart move, and we said that editorially when they opted to go with a uh, lease for gas drilling in the county parks with the intent of using that money to improve recreation facilities. So I, I think that's a win for residents, and it's uh, something that uh, the commissioners are touting, and I, I think rightfully so. I think that's, that's an accomplishment they can uh, point to and say, yeah, we're going to get some things done here for the, for the betterment of uh, recreation in Beaver County. Okay, that's our preview of the county commissioner's race. We'll be back in a minute. We're... We'll be talking about the DA's race and the sheriff's race and a couple other races. Get ready, get set, get out this weekend. Watch every Wednesday as I, Scott Tady, give you the scoop on local entertainment and help you plan how to get out this weekend. 
Sponsored by Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center. A new episode premieres every Wednesday at timesonline.com slash get out or watch them on our Beaver County Times Roku channel. Don't miss it. We're back with the timesonline.com special election podcast. We're going to be talking now about the county sheriff's race where we have one of those rarities in Beaver County. We have two very, very good candidates uh, uh, for voters to decide upon. Um, J.D., you have been covering that race. You were in on the editorial board meetings. What's your uh, assessment of the the race overall? Uh, Probably a close one. Uh, Too close to call, I would imagine, although Democrats still hold a considerable voter registration advantage in Beaver County. Uh, you have Tony Guy, the Republican. Uh, you have Wayne Cress, the Democrat, both retired state troopers. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of experience there. Uh, really, the distinction made uh, between them is supervisor experience, which is what uh, Tony has stressed in his campaign uh, that, uh, you know, he's. Overseeing different units and, and rose up through the ranks within the state police, uh, including being on the, uh, the SWAT team and, and running a polygraph unit and things like that. Um, Wayne, uh, you were in a meeting. Wayne isn't impressed with that and says uh, he didn't he didn't want to uh, uh, really uh, you know become a, a pencil pusher, uh, which. Uh, you call those ranks of, uh, I think, corporal and something else, glorified secretary positions. Uh, in our meeting, he, uh, you know, he wanted to stay on the streets and work the streets and uh, be a be a street cop. Uh, and there's something to be said uh, for that too. Um, you know, they there's a supervisory distinction, and there's the way they approach uh, or want to approach reforming. The sheriff's office, which obviously everyone uh, can agree, unless you're uh, wholly loyal to Georgia David, that it needs to be reformed. Um, you know, Tony wants to go in there. He's, uh, what do you say, he's a, a process? Uh, Process-driven. Process-driven, process driven, uh, evaluating uh, the workers and employees, i.e. deputies. Uh, in that office, uh, an office which uh, I think really has become uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, tainted by patronage, to be honest with you. A lot of people uh, hired in the past years by Georgie, you know, politically connected and underqualified or totally unqualified. Um, but Tony, you know, said that he's not... He's not one to go in chopping heads and putting heads on pikes out in front of the courthouse, I believe. Um, whereas uh, Wayne does not hold back. He says he wants to go in and he's going to start firing people they want. He knows who needs to go. A lot of them and most of them are, you know, white shirts, which means, um, you know, officers and, and, and commanding officers in the department. Uh, and he's going to clean house. And I think that was the distinction made by the editorial board in endorsing Wayne, uh, that uh, you know, he's, uh, he's going to come in with a very big, quick broom. And uh, that might just be what that office needs. 
to uh, get a clean start and to you know, get away from uh, the Georgie David years. I, I think most everyone can look at that office and say without hesitation that it's it's a mess. Uh, you have a we had a sheriff who was facing a criminal trial, uh, who was um, allowed to be in the courthouse in parts of it, but wasn't allowed to carry his gun. He wasn't allowed. I mean, there was these fighting with of, the commissioners. Yeah, he wanted yeah, so. outside work done. Uh, I mean, you know, it, yeah, it just got to be a joke, literally. And then we had the fallout. From, the fallout from his trial was that we had a couple other deputies were. Uh, were uh, charged or at least uh, one of them was, a tr was at least charged with uh, lying under oath or giving false testimony and and boy you know where does where does it end? It's uh, an embarrassment for Beaver County. I mean, no one can disagree with that. The office uh, you know became an embarrassment for Beaver County. So and it was particularly it was, for law enforcement in Beaver County. Yeah, but it was refreshing to find two candidates. Who came up through uh, the state police ranks? Who were very professional uh, uh, law enforcement officers, right. um, and and Beaver County is, you know, we're we're very fortunate. We have two very good candidates here. Uh, we gave the edge on the endorsement, and and I can say that because that endorsement is already run. We gave the edge on the endorsement to Wayne, mainly because after talking with both of them, we and looking at the office, we just felt that. His approach to go in and start cleaning house immediately was what was needed to kind of remove the uh, the taint, the tainted. Uh, what uh, was his uh, quote? I don't evaluate criminals; I arrest them. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes, he but, made that point a couple of times. But it's, yeah, that's that's the level to which the sheriff's office has sunk. That that attitude of take no prisoners, go in, clean house, almost you know. To the extent you can tear it down and build it back up again. I mean, obviously you can't do that in the law enforcement department because they have duties. But uh, you know that—that's what needs to be done. You know, and they're just gonna—they want to go about it different ways. One's more, like I said, process-driven, uh, and uh, one is more. You know, sweep the bums out, um, and that that will, that will, that's the clearest distinction that voters can draw from from the, the two of them. Um, I, I agree with JD. I think it's going to be a very close race. Um, I think both of them have supporters that uh, will cross over party lines. I don't think this is one of those races where uh, the, the party indication is going to be as significant as in the past. Is that is that your take on? Yeah, it as well, I mean, JD? especially. Uh, when you're dealing with the law enforcement community, you know, they have families and friends, and and uh, you know it, it's it, it's it's an uphill battle for Tony, just based on registration. Uh, is it? You know, we'll see. Come Tuesday night, is it too much of an uphill battle? You know, um, either way, you know, no matter what the result, uh, you know, it's a win-win for Beaver County. I mean, you know, the, yeah, I, the, I believe so too. The you know, the victory was in the primary and in uh, in Wayne beating Georgie David and getting him off the ballot and basically ending that political career. And we'll see marked improvement, I believe, in that office simply from the fact that both of them have indicated that there are things 
right now that they're going to change. They they both see the 24-hour operation of the department as totally unnecessary. and Changes uh, in the warrant division. And, right, and better use of personnel, and, um, making everybody's time uh, more efficient, uh, just getting rid of things like the whole controversy over uh, private um, security for for certain businesses that, that, that Georgie had uh, had formulated. I, I think both of them are just going to. And to be noted, an office whose budget is uh, at least a million dollars more than the next comparable county yeah. mm -hmm. sheriff's office. Yeah, when you, when you want to point yeah. to, to to bloated they offices can't be ignored. in the uh, in the county, start there. Um, they spend more than. We, we did a story several months back on comparing, once again, the office operation to that in neighboring uh, counties of a similar size, fourth-class counties, uh, Washington County, Butler County, both more people, both uh, population-wise bigger. Um, Area-wise, I'm not sure, but it's probably they're probably pretty close. If they may even be. Bigger. They have parks, but they don't patrol them. Yeah. So there, there are things that... Like the, the, the deputies here do. That uh, you know, kind of make no sense when you look at it, and it's easy to look at that million-dollar difference and say, well, can't we cut some of this? Uh, so I think you'll see both of whoever wins this, I think you'll see, see them take a look at that budget and say, you know, okay, this is not what we need. We'll concentrate on our duties, which are primarily to secure the courthouse, transport prisoners, and serve warrants. That's You get back to those core functions, and, and I think... Inevitably, the budget would come down. Yeah. How much, I don't know, but I think it would have to. Join local historian and Times columnist Jeffrey Sneddon every week as he takes a look at historical sites and locations in our area. Read his weekly column and watch a new video every Tuesday at timesonline.com slash history in a minute and on our Roku channel by searching Beaver County Times. Okay, we're back. Times Online special or special podcast covering the general election. We're going to be talking about the race for Beaver County District Attorney. We have uh, Democrat Frank Martucci, who has spent uh, almost a decade in the district attorney's office as uh, pro probably their lead prosecutor over the last several years, uh, and he's going up against uh, Republican David Lozier, who has uh, a vast political, or uh, excuse me, a vast uh, legal career, but uh, primarily in the, or almost exclusively in the private sector. So an another uh, race that, J.D., you covered, you had a chance to talk with both candidates. Uh, what's your kind of overview assessment of, of this one? Uh, well, sort of flip side of the sheriff's race, I mean, you, experience is an issue uh, and, and the main distinction, whereas in the sheriff's race, you have a similar experience with the state trooper background. Uh, here you have a, a longtime veteran in that office with Frank Matucci, um, who's, who's been there and prosecuted cases, like you said. Uh, you have Dave Lozier, uh, on the other hand, a, uh, he's been an attorney for a long time, but he's been on the civil side uh, in private practice. And so he hasn't, you know, he's not been prosecuting cases, nor has he been the defense attorney. Um, so, you know, his argument is that, uh, you know, Frank is sort of the entrenched uh, uh, veteran, you know, the office, uh, Dave has thrown out uh, various charges, you know, the office has been mismanaged under uh, District Attorney 
Tony Barash um, and and other things that uh, you know they cut sentences too quickly. They don't settle. Uh, you know they settle. Excuse me. They settle for uh, lower sentences. Uh, not really tough on uh, gun crimes and drug crimes. He says that's based on um, his own review of cases. Uh, Frank obviously disagrees with that. Uh, says that uh, you know Dave really doesn't understand how the court system works. There are obviously set guidelines uh, that uh, prosecutors have to follow. Judges ultimately have to approve sentences. Uh, so uh, there's a clear distinction there of, uh, of 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 the experience and and what you know one what Dave wants to do going in is basically have everybody. You know, detectives who are also under the DA's office, detectives and prosecutors uh, reapply for jobs, uh, submit their resumes, go through interviews, have him, uh, you know, uh, oversee them and, and, and inspect their jobs. Whereas, uh, you know, Frank says, you know, there's always room for changes, but uh, you obviously can't go in and clean house, you know, in, a, in an office like that. Uh, if something like that is even necessary, you know, he says, you know, he has ideas about changing things, but, you know, he's been there and, and for the most part, I think, uh, you know, thinks it's operating well. I mean, that's the impression I got. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. Um, well, the thing, the interesting thing, uh, Lodger is a Republican newcomer underdog, you know, whichever, you know, whichever label you want to put on. <laughs> and um, he's, he's taking on... Um, a longtime prosecutor who is also backed by the Democratic Party. So he's, I, I don't fault uh, Dave Lozier for making um, a lot of political claims because, you know, when you're the outsider coming in, you, 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 you've got to find a way to, uh, to get to the voters, you know, find topics to do it. Uh, I, I'm kind of like JD on this one. I, I don't see the, um, kind of the, um, hint of um, corruption, if you will. Well, he talks corruption, nepotism. Unethical standards, you know. You deals know. cut because of relations. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to throw those accusations out there, uh, much like in the commissioner's race of, you know, taxes, when taxes haven't been raised in almost eight years. Um, you know, to throw out these charges against... Uh, Tony Barrage, who's pretty well respected among mostly anyone you talk to, um, you know, it's another thing to back it up. And at least so far, I haven't seen much to back it up. Now, the the one point that he makes, which is probably a fair one, is that the, the this the county anti drug task force has been largely ineffective and um, um, needs to be revamped. Which is kind of ironic because Martucci said the same yeah, thing. Yeah, they both said that, <laughs> yeah, that it needs to be better utilized and. And they both have plans to improve that. Yeah. So, so I, I, okay, there's, there's that, that the anti-drug task force is just not working effectively. Uh, both of them want to make some changes to try to make it a, a better unit. Um, but some of the other things that, he, that he's raised, um, I, I look at them as just raising them for, you know, he's trying to get, he's trying to get the sail into the wind here. And, <laughs> and I think this is, the, this is the, his, his opportunity to, to try that. Uh, but I just don't see a lot of these things that he sees. Um, the the district attorney's office uh, 
I, I've never heard anyone complain about the way Tony Barosh has run that office. Uh, I, I, I've been here at the Times for 32 years, and I've heard people complain about DAs in the past, um, rightfully so. But, um, you know, in Barosh's time, no, I don't see that. So he, he, he's been very critical of Barosh, and by um, connection then, uh, by association, he's linking Marpucci to that. Um, I, I don't see this as, um, I'm not sure that's going to be an effective game plan for him. And it, in, in our endorsement editorial, we, uh, we did endorse Martucci, and it was primarily because we don't see the district attorney's office as one where you would want to bring in someone with virtually no criminal um, court experience. I mean, virtually none. Yeah. Um, that's asking a lot. And I just don't see it. Dave, Dave Loger strikes me as a very smart guy and a very competent attorney. Um, I just don't see that being a good fit for uh, for him or for the county, frankly. Uh, you know, the idea of uh, coming in and evaluating people and and uh, you know, be personnel changes. Well, keep in mind our unions. Yeah, in <laughs> yeah. Well, also, lost so. in all that. There's three yeah, unions you know, governing involved in there. So you can't just come in and say, "See ya." Uh, the union may have a thing or two to say about that, um, but. I think that any head of any office, if you're an effective leader, you'd be evaluating personnel throughout anyway. Right. So saying that I'm going to come in and evaluate people to me is not necessarily a, a you know a great claim because that's kind of part of your job. And uh, if Martucci is elected, I would expect that his responsibility would be to do ongoing evaluations of the personnel in that office. Um, so making that as a political claim is is really throwing one out there. In, well, you see, you've sort of seen that whole thing. I don't think it's a coincidence either. You've seen that whole thing down the line. You know, in the commissioner's yeah. race, transparency, taxes, you know, good government. You know, in the, in the share, well, not so much in the sheriff's race because there's no incumbent to fight against, uh, really. Um, you know, in the DA's race, you've seen it. Uh, in, in the treasurer's race, you see it. I mean, obviously. Trust me, I know there are plenty of instances where those charges are correct and can be applied, <laughs> depending <laughs> on the office involved. Um, but uh, I think just to throw those out, regardless of any specifics or facts, is is what's you know bothersome and concerning when there's nothing to back it up. Yeah. You know, if you have you know, uh, cases where you can point to, you know, contracts to relatives or uh, other cases uh, in other races. Uh, yeah, I can see that. But this, like Tom said, just to try and get some traction by sort of riling up the electorate that doesn't know any better. Just, right. Okay. Well, and, and this is what I wanted to get to is, it seems like a lot of rhetoric, and it seems like a lot of small races are rhetoric-based. You, you mentioned taxes. Everybody wants lower taxes. Tom, Tom mentions you know going through the staff. Everybody should reevaluate the staff, including the drug situation. We've had this issue with the heroin overdoses. Um, both candidates have mentioned their desire to reevaluate the Drug Enforcement Task Force. Are there any substantive issues in this race? The DA's race? Yes. 
Well, it, it, it's hard to... Well, I mean, you could break down, you know, prosecution records and and things like that, but, you know, getting into juries and, you know, does that translate into... With the DA, you're talking about basically managing an office. Right. You know, getting the right people in place, getting the right prosecutors in place to do the job correctly and the cases that you do prosecute to win as many as you can. And if you, if you, if you look at it from that standpoint, um, that, that pushes Lozier even further behind because he's never prosecuted a case. Right. And he's, as near as I can tell, he's never defended uh, somebody in a criminal court. Um, so or managed a prosecutorial office. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, as I said, that's asking a lot. And I, I think this is one of the races where I, I think that voters are going to say, you know, that's, that, that's, not a good, that's not a good idea to go with someone with uh, no uh, criminal court experience uh, versus one who's a seasoned prosecutor. Now, are there concerns over uh, Martucci's candidacy? Well, a few. You know, he, he's very eager to continue prosecuting cases. I don't know how um, yeah, real, realistic yeah. of that is going to be. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Um, he said he would like to you know, continue to be out there so that you know, people see what he's doing and what the job he's doing. Uh, that's all well and good to say that. But when you've got to manage, uh, I, I don't know how many criminal cases come through there a year, uh, many hundreds of them, but uh, you've got to manage the, um, the prosecution of that off or the, those many cases through the uh, ADAs that you have in the office, uh, stepping up and saying, "I'll I'll prosecute this one," and you know, doing the prep work and the and the uh, the trial work, uh, I, I think that's that's probably asking a lot. Well, let's get into the um, treasurer's race. One of the reasons this piqued our interest is Tom. You were saying there's interestingly enough a lot of money being thrown into this race. Um. We're bringing back in Tom Davidson. Tom, tell us a little bit about the treasurer's race. Well, again, it's a it's a race uh, pitting a you know a Republican who's a newcomer to politics against a, a longtime Democratic incumbent. Uh, Connie Javins has been treasurer since nineteen ninety two, so she's you know, she she touts that experience. You know, going back decades, and you know, she. And, and inevitably led the treasurer's office into the computer age, um, and, and and touts that experience. And she's being opposed by a Republican Tom Ladig, who, who, while a political newcomer, he's not a newcomer to finances. He he's a he's, he's a trustee at Washington and Jefferson College. He sits on several finance committees there. He he also is. Uh, part of Heritage Valley's board and sits on their audit committee and such. So he, you know, he brings that to the table. Plus he also owned the Honda, the new Honda store in Newcastle for, for several years in the, you know, in the nineties. The, the, the interesting thing about this race and Tom uh, and I were talking about this previously. Uh, when you get right down to it, the role of the County treasurer is, to collect money and make sure it gets deposited. <laughs> Beyond that, you know, the requirements 
the direct requirements of the office are, are, are pretty thin. Um, the challenges of, of, the, of, a, of a newcomer, again, in, in the person of uh, Mr. Leidig, um, are to, okay, we'll find a, you know, find a, an issue to raise to voters to, to say, you know, look what's going on here. Well, the one he chose is, 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 kind of, uh, is kind of interesting because in reality it has no bearing whatsoever on the office. He keeps making this claim that the county treasurer's office hasn't been audited by the county in 24 years. I think, I think isn't that yeah. what he's saying, Tom, yeah. something like that? Yeah, Which, um, there's a kind of a preposterous nature to that charge <laughs> because, number one, it's not the treasurer's responsibility to ask the county to come in and audit the office. That's the controller's job. Right. And number two, the treasurer's office is routinely and regularly audited by the state and the uh, and, and even and, part and of federal the government because over yeah. federal monies that come through. So to, to make the claim that the office hasn't been audited is is, is patently absurd. First off, um, if you if you're going to stick with well, the county hasn't audited it in 24 years. Well, that may be true. But whether it's <laughs> whether it's Connie Javins or any other treasurer, it's kind of not her. That's not her job or her or her fault. So, I I I, I was kidding with Thomas. I I think he may be raising a good point, but he's running for the wrong office. Right. If he's if he's going to be making charges of, you know, we should be auditing this, then he should be running for controller because that's that's the controller's office uh, responsibility. Well, and, and it's I in, there might be in the process of auditing. The, yeah. Yeah, anyway, they, yeah. Like, even before all this came up. So well, and, and it seems by your point, Tom, to be utterly inconsequential. It's like saying he personally hasn't audited it. Well, so because it's still being audited. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, you know, as JD said, he thinks they're in the middle of an audit right now. Well, you know, audits can take time, and you know, okay, maybe they didn't start it for political reasons because you know that can happen. They wait and hold off on an audit. Who knows? But the. The the concept that because it hasn't been audited, therefore there must be something going on, is 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 just not true from the standpoint of if you look at people who are regularly looking at the books there. You know, there's state officials, I'm sure, are looking at those for a myriad of reasons, <laughs> and I, I think uh, I think Javins has even made that claim uh, several times that you know she has people auditing her books every year. Um, but when you look at what what does the treasurer do? They collect the taxes. They do things like issue dog licenses, which, anyway. was, some, which was something <laughs> Connie took on, as uh, as I recall. Uh, you remember that JD when she decided that she would be uh, uh, the dog license issuer, or mm. um, so she took that on. Yeah. Um, they issue small games of chance licenses. Um, they do. Um, there's, there's one of, I think fishing, and fishing, hunting, hunting licenses. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so it's kind of service oriented when you, from that standpoint. Um, and, and in the electronic age, the uh, the payment of taxes so often now is it's just electronic transfers. Right. You know, uh, if you have a mortgage and you have an escrow account, and your tax bill is due. Well, your mortgage holder doesn't write them a check. <laughs> They wire the money right. and wait, you know, and verify receipt. Yeah, but with those uh, older homeowners in Beaver County, love to show up. <laughs> yes, there are those. <laughs> for their discount, and they mm -hmm. show up and they drive down their 
annual visit to the courthouse, probably. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, Connie Go likes to Connie's the, and write them yeah. a check. Write a yeah. check. That's it. Connie likes Chat to talk her, her personal experience, her personal interactions with residents. She she is touting that. I think uh, from Ladig's conversation, you know, from my conversations with Ladig, he he's I think would like to have a more business like approach to the office. Maybe evaluating some of those things, but he he didn't get into very many specifics. And, and as we've said, the, you know, the treasurer's office really is more about just handling bank accounts and issuing licenses. And the, the, the one thing that we've written about in the past that he did not raise, um, which I thought he might, was the fact that the treasurer's office here in Beaver County is uh, staffed higher than surrounding counties. Always. Perpetually. <laughs> yeah. So... Anytime you do a comparison, it's the treasurer's office and sheriff's office. Yeah, and and, and if you were going to raise a legitimate point about about the office, that might be a pretty good starting point. Um, so I, if you look at his resume, he seems like a pretty competent guy. But these these uh, charges he's leveling in the in the race uh, are, are when you, when you boil them down to their to the to the nitty gritty. There's, there's, there's not a whole lot to them. It's just, uh, again, it's, it's rallying cries, and you know, when you're, re when you're a Republican underdog, sometimes that's your best course of action. But um, I, I, I don't know. Connie's a heck of a politician and a campaigner too. So been around a long time. I, uh, I don't know that he's going to be able to pull that off. Um, if he does, I. I have every confidence that he'll be able to be a very competent uh, treasurer, but uh, yeah, it's tough in a democratic, voter-controlled county where you've got a 24-year treasurer in there and she's got supporters. It's, it's tough. That's that's a tough one to uh, to uh, remove from office. Well, it's like I said with Tony Guy. You know, if you're a Republican, you're starting out yeah. behind the eight ball. Yeah. Just from voter registration. So you have to climb that steep hill just to get even and then you know start talking about winning more voters, you know, after catching up. So it's a well, long road to go. Well and you brought up the point before a lot of these Republican candidates have little to no experience. And if you're in a county where there is such a disparity with registration and there are so many Democrats holding so many elected offices, by default they're not going to have a lot of experience no. in running these offices so yeah. and there's a couple of minor offices there too where there's challengers uh recorder the recorder of deeds office uh, has a uh, a challenger and republican challenger in tim's seventh uh, and he's taking on uh, jan beal uh, who's been in there for a number of years but you know when you come right down to that one, it, uh, another, there's another office that's um, okay. What do you, what's your responsibility here? Make sure the deeds get reported. Um, <laughs> well, I, I don't know how you campaign against. Well, she's done a lousy job of recording deeds. Uh, well, and then we get to my the office that's near and dear to my heart, the county coroner's office. Yeah, where I'm like, you know, what what platform do you run on to say our coroner is not, you know, doing an adequate job with these dead bodies? 
We need a new coroner. Uh, With one now leaving. She's not running, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, um, we, can, we can talk about that one for a moment because the, the intrigue in that one is um, the Democratic Committee Party Chairman mm-hmm. for, for Beaver County is uh, Mike Doc Sisk, who's running for coroner um, against um, Dave, Dave Gaybauer, who is a funeral director. Um, so Mike's background is he's a chiropractor. Uh, so, 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 and I don't mean to laugh at either of them, but it, it, when you look at it, it's like, okay, who's the better coroner, the, a, a, a longtime chiropractor or a longtime funeral director? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, neither one of them, they're not going to be doing autopsies. Neither one of them are doctors, mm-hmm. despite but you know uh, I, I mean it's basically an administrative job you're signing papers and, and everything and you have uh, you, know, you work with a pathologist a medical doctor that does autopsies and make determinations and everything so I mean you know it's, it's an administrative job are there differences uh, you know it comes down to staffing and, and for everything and talking with the two of them both of them, uh, you know, said that uh, you know they'll let uh, if the deputy coroners want to stay on, uh, they will. And uh, I think uh, was it Dave mentioned having regular office hours, I believe, for uh, attorneys and police police officers in the nine one one. The coroner's office is in the nine one one center mm-hmm. in Ambridge. Having regular hours so that they can reach in. Right, yeah, so the attorney can. That, that has I mean, there's only there's the only there's only one secretary, Mabel, longtime secretary in the coroner's office under Terry and, and before under Dad Wayne Tatalovich, and Mabel's retiring, um, so there'll be someone new in that position. But uh, yeah, David's talked about regular office hours to help out attorneys and cops that might need paperwork or whatever records from the coroner's office. I mean, really, that's it. I mean, it's an administrative job. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Gabe Bowers made the distinction that uh, a lot of other counties have funeral directors as coroners. Uh, Mike's re- uh, response is that uh, before uh, Wayne, who was uh, Wayne Tatovich, who was um, coroner for I don't know, 18, 20 years. Yeah, whatever it was, uh, that there there were no funeral directors as coroners in Beaver County. Uh, yeah, so yeah, does it matter if you have some familiarity with the uh, death care business or <laughs> the death industry? I you know I don't know. Uh, like I said, it's more from everything that I've seen. It's you know an administrative job and. And really, you know, dealing with families in, in delicate situations. And, uh, you know, Dave, obviously, is a, has been a funeral director and has that experience. But Mike's a chiropractor and deals with patients and pain and everything, a point that he's made. I think both of them would, you know, be fine in dealing with <laughs> families in, in those sensitive situations. Uh, I think know. it probably speaks to a bigger point is that you, know, you really need to have an elected coroner. Right. Should you just have a, a medical examiner like you know other other counties have? Yes. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it speaks to the archaic 
row office system that Pennsylvania uh, counties of our size still employ. Um, when you when you look at the grand scheme of things, do you need a register of wills, a recorder of deeds? Uh, uh, I forget what other ones are out there. Um, you could probably take three or four offices. Orthonotary, yeah. You could probably take three or four offices and turn it into one office, just call it county records office. Um, that's basically what they're all involved in in some fashion or other. Right. Um, so we, we continue to elect those offices because we have to. That's, that's the way the setup is. Uh, if, you know, if, if by some um, um, grand edict came down from Harrisburg that said, no, we're going to change all that, you'd hear the wailing and gnashing of teeth from the elected <laughs> officials. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, residents, you know, citizens would probably benefit from a combined offices. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that speaks to, you know, we, we set up our government this way 200 years ago and darn it, we're going to keep it that way. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment talking about the uh, writing campaign in Moon, Mid the Midland Council race, and the state Senate race to replace Matt Smith. Hi, I'm Mike Byers with The Times. Think you can beat the experts? Can you outpick the game on football guys? AJ Chiapazzi and myself find out every Tuesday afternoon. Watch our predictions and then make your own. Sponsored by Goodrich and Geist, Attorneys at Law. Watch it at timesonline.com slash game on or download our new app. Get in the game with Game On. We're back with timesonline.com podcast on the special uh, special edition for the 2015 general election. Uh, I'm Tom Bickert, the editorial page editor. We're here with J.D. Prose, our state uh, political writer. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking now about the 37th state Senate race. Uh, J.D., tell us a little bit about who the, the players are here and give us a little overview of that one. Uh, well, first of all, it's a special election to replace uh, Matt Smith, the former state senator, who uh, resigned in June to become the president of the Greater Pittsburgh Chamber of Commerce. So it's going to, uh, whoever wins will uh, finish the term, and uh, I believe it will be for election again next year. Uh, right now we have uh, Heather Arnay. Uh, it's, last name is A-R-N-E-T, but it's pronounced Arnay. Uh, she's out of Mount Lebanon, uh, the Democrat. And on the Republican side, we have Guy Reschenthaler. Uh, he's out of Jefferson Hills. Uh, and he's a former uh, JAG prosecutor in the Navy and a um, district judge uh, resigned after he was uh, appointed the candidate. Uh, the uh, party committees appoint the candidates uh, in the uh, special elections. There's no primary or anything. Uh, the district is uh, northwest Allegheny County. Our coverage area, Moon, uh, Finley, Crescent Township, crosses over into Sewickley, uh, Leetsdale, Leet, Bell Acres, some other communities on down uh, 65, and then uh, on the back Crossing over on the other side of the river, South Hills communities uh, down Mount Lebanon. Uh, also includes Peters Township in uh, Washington County. Um, Heather uh, is a uh, progressive Democrat. 
Uh, she's worked for a uh, women's and girls foundation uh, in the past, been the CEO, and uh, worked on uh, issues and legislation uh, to uh, you know, further those causes uh, close to uh, women and uh, girls and, and children in general. Uh, Guy, uh, as I said, was in the Navy, uh, went to law school, graduated from Duquesne, and um, served over in Iraq, and then um, worked in private practice and uh, became a uh, district judge. Uh, he's uh, he's a conservative, um, you know, uh, anti-tax generally, and uh, you know uh, the big difference between them. I mean, they have a, a you know a gap in the political philosophy, obviously, um, on the severance tax issue. Uh, she uh, generally supports it. Uh, no specific figure in mind, but says corporations need to pay their fair share. Uh, especially if the proceeds go to uh, education. And uh, Guy has said that uh, he uh, didn't really want to uh, come out and draw a hard line because he might have to vote on the issue, uh, a budget, you know, when I'm gets in there. Uh, but just philosophically, uh, he's opposed to higher taxes. Um, anyway, so that sort of gives you an indication where both of them are coming from. What's the voter registration like in that district? Here? I don't know off the top of my head. I, I still want to say even even with those areas, uh, you know, it might be a slight D advantage. Uh, but Republicans historically have held that seat. John yeah. Pippy held that seat. Uh, Tim Murphy, I believe, mm. held that seat. Correct. Uh, so you know, Republicans, if if it if it is D or even I mean, Republicans don't have a uh, a hard time uh, winning seats in, in, in that district. Um, and, I mean, if I'd have to guess, I'd probably, I'd probably say Guy wins it just based on the historical trends of, of, uh, of voting in that district. Um, the interesting thing about, that, about this race, though, is um, there's money coming in. A lot of money. A lot of money for both candidates. Um, the, well, you have a state senate where, you know, the Democrats are desperate to pick up any seats you know it's it's with uh smith being vacant it's uh, republicans hold a, a 30 to 19 advantage uh, uh to uh in the senate um two-thirds majority overrides a wolf veto uh you know, so you know republicans would love to get that uh yeah, 33 they would need 34 and 34 they're, they're inching closer yeah. to that uh, 34 votes to, to override a, a veto because obviously Wolf's going to be in there for a few more years. He's a freshman now. <laughs> he hasn't been in there 10 months. So, uh, you know, Democrats are desperate to get closer into in the lessen that gap, and Republicans would love to inch a little bit closer to uh, uh, to even more of a majority to uh, you know, reach that uh, override threshold. Uh, so a lot of money's coming in. Uh, TV ads and mailers. Uh, there's been a lot of back and forth over the accuracy of both, uh, and, and the charges back and forth that happens. You know a lot when you do get outside influences and that are desperate to to win races. Um, I mean it's a pretty clear choice to me. It's, you know, do you want a progressive Democrat in there, 
that would probably uh, you know go along with Governor Wolf's agenda for the most part, even though she opposed, I believe, his initial uh, measure to raise sales tax and income tax because of the effect it would have on um, on uh, poor people in those in the lower economic status. Um, so you know, she's not blindly following Wolf at every turn, but obviously for the most part she she'd follow the governor's agenda. And you have a guy who uh, I don't think would. Uh, you know, so another race where you see a lot of accusations being thrown back and forth against the other that they would support this, they would support that, and they they're making claims against the other on issues that have absolutely no bearing on state on state senate votes. Uh, you know, um, somebody would just, I think the early one came out that uh, uh, Russian follower would uh, would uh, cut Medicare, cut and, Medicare Social and Social Security. Security. Well, you know, if he would, you know, yeah, that, 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 he, yeah, that, yeah, we have him in the right place. You know, the state senate, <laughs> where he has no way of doing that, um, but. Those are the kinds of things you see in, in, the, in these kinds of uh, these kinds of elections, where um, two un, kind of two unknowns um, challenging for a seat, and both parties desperate to uh, to uh, put put their their person in there. Uh, you know, just kind of I, I I see all these commercials. There's a lot of television commercials going on yeah. for, for these two television mailers. I mean, they're they're going all out. So it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting race, but. If you if you really got to cut through a lot of the nonsense in this one because the uh, the race has uh, you know it's about the state senate it has nothing to do with in the grand scheme of things and that's why I always include issues. the websites and everything with the write ups I do so people have the opportunity to go there and and look you know every candidate has an issues drop down window to see their stance on you know whatever topic you know really you're interested in. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, okay, what's he think about taxes or what's he think about you know, privatizing, you know, uh, liquor stores or whatever, you know, so. Yeah, it'd be an interesting race to watch. Okay. Let's bring in Times Education reporter Catherine Schaefer now. Catherine, um, let's talk a little bit about the Moon Board of Education campaign. What can you tell us about that? All right. Well, as with Moon Area School Board... Things are never quite as you expect them to be. <laughs> so um, this election, we have the little background. The spring primary, there was a team of newcomers who had cross-filed as Democrats and Republicans in the spring who won by a pretty significant margin over the incumbents. Um, and those... They won both seats, too. They won both nominations, Democrat and Republican. So the five who won both of those are the only five that are actually on the ballot. There's five seats uh, in school board races in Pennsylvania you're allowed to cross-file. So they fi- they filed to run with both Democrats and Republicans in the nomination uh, process in the spring primary. Yeah, so, so on, on so paper, you, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, you, if you walked in and had the ballot, you'd see five names and five seats, right? Yes, yes. And uh, those are Lisa Wallowitz, Robert Harper, Danielle Zeger, Mark Scappy, and James Bogate. Um, but... <laughs> There is also a write-in campaign going on right now. Um, the three current board members who lost their seats in the election have are encouraging people to write their names in. Um, 
So there's no real evidence of this. They don't have signs out and there's no social media push. So this is the only place you'll really hear about it, I think. How, um, how, orga how organized are they? Well, when I talked to the opposition, the opposition didn't even know that there was a writing campaign going on. And this was like a week and a half ago. So there's really not much organization. And I've, you know, checked social media. There doesn't seem to be really any grassroots push, uh, as there is in another one of the districts uh, for their writing candidate. So there's not much organization. Well, I think voters uh, look at a ballot. The likelihood of writing in a candidate Winning as a write-in candidate in a general election is, that's a tough road. Um, I, we have a couple people here in the, uh, in the building who live in the Moon District and ask them as well, you know, have you heard anything? And this seems to be the great whisper campaign. If there's a write-in campaign, um, no one seems to know a whole lot about it. I've seen write-in campaigns in the past where people will have stickers made um, this is back when you had paper ballots, and they would hand them to people on the way in, on the way into the poll, and they would just peel off the sticker and put it on the write-in place, which was which was legal. And now they hand them out, they hand out cards and say write in this candidate. But you have to be really organized and have a pretty significant campaign staff to to make to pull that off. Yeah, well, by contrast, um, in Blackhawk School District. One of their current board members has decided to run as a writing candidate. He chose not to run for re-election in the spring and has now changed his mind. And he has signs out. He's organized a team of community members who went door to door. I think they hit about 500 houses with, you know, campaign flyers like Paul May is running, write him in. And in Moon, it's just completely silent. And he has a better shot because of the structure of the Blackhawk board. They do theirs by districts. So you have a much smaller um, candidate or uh, voter field that you have to cover as opposed to Moon, which is the entire district. So uh, I don't know if he'll, uh, Paul May will succeed in Blackhawk. Uh, he seems to want to try to win as a write-in candidate, but that's typically a very tough, uh, tough one to, to pull off. Uh, but the Moon, the Moon School Board, you know, the the board. Uh, approved a realignment of the schools, right, Catherine? And yeah, and and that's a part of the controversy and the push that caused these three current board members to lose was that they also they closed an elementary school and they reconfigured the rest of them so that now students are getting bused to school in a different neighborhood, and a lot of parents are really not thrilled. Yeah. So, although from an economic standpoint, it makes a lot of sense if you look at means costs and, and their, their budget. And every school district that operated multiple elementary schools in the past has probably, in western Pennsylvania anyway, has come to the same conclusion. We just can't afford to operate this many neighborhood schools. We have to, we have to reconfigure them. Uh, Butler, Butler School District closed five elementary schools this past year. So, you know, this is, um, this is one of those situations in western Pennsylvania that I think you'll see more of before you see less of it. It's just no one's building a new elementary school for a neighbor as a neighborhood as a neighborhood school. Well, and, you know, and Moon still has four elementary schools, so they they still have you know a pretty large pool of schools for the kids to 
to go to. Well, and Tom, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but as a writing campaign, if you're actually elected, you are then bound to the laws that govern elections, such as having to file campaign finance records. You know, you have to track all this stuff. And this could be one of the reasons we're not seeing some sort of big push out in Moon, whereas in Blackhawk, you know, we're dealing with somebody who's already on the board, who has the experience of running, and knows, like, perhaps knows, you know, if I do this, if I win, I'm going to have to fork over these numbers. Yeah, that could be part of it. Uh, I I just, from what Catherine's saying, and from what I've heard from others, I I just don't see it as a very organized effort. It's kind of a a wish list uh, campaign more than an organized one. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And, you know, I I would say I haven't heard much from the candidates, although I did reach out to all of them. And so my sense is that the organization and the, the push is not quite there. I think the fact that we tried to reach out to them to get to, fi- to find out how, how they're going to go about doing this and got next to no feedback mm-hmm. is probably an indicator right there because... Basically, we, we wanted to tell people, hey, these people want to be elected. Here's why, and here's what they have to say, and we got nothing, right? Yeah, they did not say anything. Yeah. so After multiple attempts. <laughs> that probably speaks, speaks louder than anything else in that race. Okay. Let's uh, let Catherine go, and we'll bring Tom in for the last segment. Tom, what can you tell us about the Midland Town Council race? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting race. Uh, it's, it's, it's one that... Uh, it's it's garnered some interest, and in, in what's I guess what makes this an unusual race is you have two candidates on both the Democratic and Republican ballots, two other Democrats and two other Republicans, all on the ballot. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they're all Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, the, how, so how many seats are there, Tom? There's- so there are four seats up for grabs. Okay, and. It, it, We'll slow this down so everybody can get this right. Uh, There's the four seats that are up for grabs. Two candidates are going to appear on both the Democrat and Republican ballots. Well, there's only one ballot, but they'll be listed as a Democrat and a Republican. exactly. Okay. And then there are, because there's four seats, there are two other people who are solely on the Democratic ballot and two other people who are only on the Republican ballot. So there'll be six names, and you get to choose four. Correct. Well, but technically there'll be eight names, two of du- two duplicated, six candidates, yeah. four available, and a partridge okay. in a pear tree. So you have four seats, and in, 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 yeah. by law, you, the Democrats could put up four candidates, the Republicans could put up four, but because of people writing in, and, th- and this is a case in, in borough councils, you cannot cross-file, but people can write you in on the other ballot, yes. <laughs> to, to, just to make things even exactly. more confusing. And people did. <laughs> Obviously, people, and people did. did. And what makes it even more interesting is they're all Democrats, actually. And okay. so that w- what makes this a story is the longtime Midland Democrat committee chairman, he's the kingmaker, uh, self-described kingmaker, Ray Hezzy Prosciutti, he decided to, when issuing out the, the, the party's endorsements, endorsed two of the Republican candidates, even though they're Democrats. They're actually Democrats, so he was endorsing them because he yeah. said they're Democrats, but actually they appear on the ballot as Republicans. Correct. Which threw the other Republicans into a tizzy. Yeah. Well, and the, well, the Democrats were into, into a tizzy because they were like, well, look, we, 
are Democrats too, and we didn't get the endorsement. So that's that really sums up the race. It's it's going to come down to you know who picks whom, and 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 in local politics, the party doesn't really matter anyway. <laughs> yeah, especially so. in Midland, the names will, the names so, will drive that more so, than so anything yeah. else. Because in, in Midland, no one runs as a Republican. Mm-hmm. I think if we went back and pulled that ballot, there wouldn't be one Republican name on there. Yeah. So it, it, in the in the uh, in the in the best example of bizarre Pennsylvania politics, because you can write in the Democrats on the Republican side, the Democrat there, there's always a campaign. You know, it's an unspoken campaign of you know if you're a Republican, just write me in, so that they can take both nominations mm-hmm. and. Um, and this is not the first time we've seen bizarre things like this happen. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, Midland has is, is, is long been home to some crazy politics. So, um, Tom, let me get my chart straight. So we have the two people who won the primary. They're appearing on both the Republican and Democratic ticket. Correct. The two, people, uh, the two other people appearing on the Republican ticket have been endorsed by whomever in the city, in the yeah. town, yeah. and the two, the other two Democrats have not been. I think you said that right. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope I drew it right. That's yeah, a question. It's, it's, uh, it's confusing. It was confusing to write about. I know I, I enjoyed writing about it. I called it politics unusual because this is really something that, that really only happens in a small town. And it only happens in a place where you have a guy like Ray Hezzy Prosciutti uh, <laughs> calling the shots. And, and basically he's saying as well, look, I spent 1500 bucks on these signs. I support these people and I, I don't care what the party says. <laughs> and because of the unusual nature of it, the, the, the party hasn't really said anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that they're investigating. I don't, I, last I knew the signs were still up. And it is one of those things that it falls into a gray area where I, I don't know that if there is a right answer. I think it's just something <laughs> to, to, to let the voters in Midland decide who they want to support, and, and we'll see what happens on Tuesday. It just makes for fun fodder for us to talk about. Yeah, Hezzy's pretty clear on that. He said, well, you know, they may be listed as Republicans, but they're really Democrats, so I can support them as Democrats, uh, which, <laughs> you know, has led the others who are listed only as Democrats to say, wait a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, you know, we could we could laugh at it because it's just so weird. But um, is this going to influence the election in Midland? Who knows? Um, I, I kind of doubt it. But um, uh, people there, I think Tom said it best, they vote for the people they know. Uh, and the whole town is basically registered as Democrats. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be... Uh, it, it, there's going to be a Democrat in, in office, period. That's, you know, there's going to be four Democrats who get elected. That's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, Tom, thanks for co-hosting this with me. I, sure. I want to thank Tom Davidson, who came in and spared some time. JD Prose, Catherine Schaefer. You know, sign off so the meeting we're holding up can be held in this lovely conference room. And we... Our special section previewing all of the elections will be in our Sunday edition of the paper, and we'll see you next time.